0: Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver
1: Commercial
0: Real Estate Podcast. <laughs>
1: And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright.
0: And I'm your, uh, not second week in a row, but I'm a rotating host, Adam Scalina. Good to see you, Corey. Thanks for
1: joining us and making your cameo today.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? I I didn't want to miss this one because we've got Hugh Cartwright. He is the co-founder, chairman, and director at Nationwide Self Storage Trust. We've talked about self-storage in the past, but these guys, I feel like these guys are doing it in a way that's super unique, and we actually had uh, Hugh's business partner on the Vancouver real estate podcast. I think about a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, and again, phenomenal conversation. Today's conversation is far-reaching and some fantastic advice and some great investment opportunities.
1: Well, for those listeners who haven't listened to some previous episodes, we highly recommend you go back and listen to the one we had Pat Wood on, right from our Victoria office, who's a self-storage specialist on the acquisition and sales side of it. And he was the one that kind of unpacked a little bit about the self-storage industry as a whole. That conversation, we ended up getting into a little bit of how do you invest in it. That led us to Nationwide. And we just got inundated after that episode with with literally phone calls and emails, LinkedIn emails, you name it, asking people, asking us, how do you invest in self-storage? I've got five grand, I've got 10 grand. And that led us to reaching out to Hugh and Nationwide self storage there, they offer investment opportunities in their developments. That's why we wanted to have them come on today and un- unpack it. But one thing I have to say is you—you weren't—you didn't join us last week there when we had Byron Chart on, right? But you know when they say you kind of like hang out with people a lot, or you get married, and you kind of look like
0: the other person. You're starting to look like Byron Chart?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> that's bad for Byron because <laughs> th- this palette over here is very hard to mold because it's like it looks almost kind of like what was the nun- the Hunchback in Notre Dame. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm working with over here. Like I got, you know, I mean, that's why I'm not on TV. But with that episode, I was, I was telling Matt is, is I'm growing on you and you don't realize it. Yeah. A minute ago, you dropped the word phenomenal. Did I? You did. And I actually did a count <laughs> on the last episode we did. I think I only said phenomenal two, maybe three times. Right. I pegged you at four and a half.
0: Me. You. I'm a product of my environment, Corey.
1: I'm rubbing off on you guys. I'm I'm, I'm almost like family. I'll be coming to Christmas this year. Like, this is
0: great. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Hugh Cartwright today talks about not only Nationwide self-storage and how amazing the storage industry is, but also this was from the last conversation we had with Nationwide from about a year and a half ago. But really digging into the car wash component. Yeah. This was an interesting stat. We'll we'll save the stat for the show, but just what percentage of profit comes from the car oh, wash? Yeah. Like I love it. It's in a lot of ways, you know, we've ta- always talk about like house hacking and stuff like that. Yep. This is such an interesting way to hack like profitability on expensive land, right? Yeah. yeah. Like it's just incredible. And the returns are great. Like, the yeah.
1: returns that they're making, and he mentions it a little bit, and we'll let everyone listen to the episode of what their sort of annual returns are on tangible assets. Right. You can physically touch them. If you remember when we had Pat Wood on, he was talking all about how quickly the revenues can grow year over year with just increasing the actual cost to rent the self-storage. Right. So these things just seem like they just, like, there's no ebbs and flows in cash. It's just, it's literally just an escalation up.
0: And the other thing that's so fascinating about self storage, and this has come from previous conversations, but we also talked to Hugh today about this. But the percentage of business owners that yeah. are now using self storage for materials, for tools, that sort yeah. of thing. It was funny. I, I had dinner at a friend of uh, the show, Brady D's place, uh, yeah. last yeah. night. He was saying that, like in like, there's there's people that he knows in his area. He's kind of in the Strathcona area. Where trades have actually come door knocked and said, "Hey, can we use your garage? We'll pay you five hundred dollars a month, or we'll pay you, or even we'll renovate your garage for you wow. if we can. If we can get a discounted rate on keeping our supplies here, which is just shows the need of businesses yeah. to actually have place for. And then you, you know, you see something like eight hundred units at Clark and Hastings, and it's it's at full occupancy right now, right?" It's just incredible. Well, this leads me to my next question. When we, when the previous episode, when we had Pat
1: on, right, and we were finding out what type of revenue these places can, you were in the process of looking at, like, dicing up your garage into, you know, to the the sculling so like a storage. Or, yeah. 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 Like, did that successfully come to fruition? No. Oh, no. Okay. No. Wife. No. Wife said no go. Wife said no okay. go.
0: Underestimated how much uh, stuff a two year old has. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah so but I I still think I'm a firm believer that as we move forward yeah in the next 10 20 years the amount of storage that people are going to need because like housing is getting smaller yep you know density is increasing very few people have their own garage yep few buildings ha- you can't keep stuff in your parking stalls yeah and in businesses, industrial spaces are so expensive now yeah. in Vancouver. The idea of renting, if you're a small business in industrial space, yeah, it, it, it's crazy, right? So, I mean, it's hard to imagine that this isn't going to be a very, very successful business model moving forward. Well, you were making
1: a bunch of notes there when we're talking about like the benchmarks and the minimums yeah. to go in. Is this sort of like an Adam Scalina certified investment opportunity? I, this, like, is, this is this a stamp is, on the self-storage yeah, industry. You don't want to take period? my advice.
0: If, yeah. you, if, you saw my, if you saw my bank, I'm probably not the guy to advise, but this <laughs> this seems like a winner. It seems like a winner. I will be the guy who's, who's building self-storage in my backyard though. Yeah. I, mean, I will be. I'll be that guy.
1: Well, speaking of your bank, they did call me for a cosign the other day when you were were trying to get that unicycle and I, but the problem is my credit score failed too. So I was
0: no help to you. The best thing about this relationship is we, we came looking for a guarantor uh, and, and now we have a podcast. But Corey, before we cut to our conversation with Hugh Cartwright, we have today's sponsor.
1: We're sponsored always by our great friends over there at Impact Commercial Group with over 50 years of lending experience for all your commercial lending needs, visit Al and the team over there at ImpactCommercial.ca.
0: Love Al. Even if you reach out just to have a conversation with the guy, it's uh, it's worth it.
1: No, he's. You know what it is? Is he is he is such an analytical guy in a very very good way. Now that I think about it, I'm really surprised that Impact Commercial isn't operating out of a self storage because I'm sure Al <laughs> would probably analyze the rent between what he pays in office and what he could get self storage for. So all the guys over there at Impact, after this episode, be very careful. (laughs) You're going to lose your
0: plumbing and electricity. You you might be
1: (laughs) reporting to a new location on Monday.
0: Right. Absolutely. But without further ado, Corey, let's cut to this interview. It's a fantastic one with Hugh Cartwright, co-founder, chairman, and director at Nationwide Self-Storage Trust. Enjoy, guys.
1: All right, we're here with our guest today, Hugh Cartwright, Chairman of Nationwide Self Storage Trust. Hugh, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. It's a nice sunny day. Storage is fantastic. And I always love to talk about it.
0: Fantastic. Hugh, for some of our listeners that don't know you or Nationwide Self-Storage Trust, can you can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: You bet. I've been in the financial industry for over 35 years, raised north of a billion dollars for uh, various projects, uh, including biotech, uh, mining, oil and gas, and real estate. Uh, storage is our current focus. We love self-storage. We're in it in a big way. We've done five projects. We have over a quarter billion dollars under NIN in the last four years of, of self-storage, and they're all you know, going very well. So very, very happy with uh, the self-storage industry.
0: I know you've done some projects uh, in the Greater Vancouver area, but of the five projects, where are they all in BC?
2: They are all in BC. We have four in the Lower Mainland, one in you know downtown Vancouver, uh, one around Burnaby around the SkyTrain station at the Lougheed Mall, uh, one in Surrey, and one in Coquitlam, and we have one in Kamloops. Interestingly, our our Kamloops storage facility. Is outperforming our others almost two to one. Um, wow, we never, wow. we never thought that was going to be the case, but we got a property right next door to Costco, McDonald's, and the casino, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's right in a perfect spot and and uh, it's highly visible.
1: Now, is that a self storage slash car wash, or is that simply just your self storage model?
2: It's a self storage. car wash. So, you know, ideally we, we love to put car washes beside our self storage facilities and that's because of um, the zoning and the price per square foot. Our, our car washes take up about 4% of the square footage allowed on the site. Yet they produce about 50% of the revenue and about 40% of the profit. Wow. Um, So, so what we like to do is we like to, max out the allowable square footage with the storage but save about four or five thousand square feet on the side for a car wash and the car wash drives a lot of traffic and visibility to the site and the storage uh fills up very quickly so it's a terrific combination
0: hugh we we want to get into definitely uh this the storage facilities and the car washes uh, in in more detail but can we maybe pull back a little bit you said that you've been kind of in finance How did you get into real estate and self-storage in general?
2: Uh, Great question. Listen, um, graduated from university, loved the stock market, wanted to make a ton of dough, got involved in mining and oil and gas. And, you know, those industries, you know, we did very, very well when mining was doing well. We did very well when oil and gas was doing well. They're volatile and they're very cyclical. You know, they are commodities. And we lived through a world of, you know, $140 oil and $11 natural gas. And, you know, the next year oil was $32 a barrel and gas was, you know, about 10 So the volatility of the resource space that that I was in for 25 years was huge. And, you know, you're a hero uh, while things are going well. And when they're not going well, you know, nobody wants to talk to you. And you're a terrible person because, you know, the investment didn't didn't return the returns that investors were hoping for. Not our fault. That's just the commodity industry. We don't control the price of oil and gas or or uh, resources. So what we were doing as a firm was looking for a much more stable asset class to get our investors uh, positioned in. And, and we combed North America. We looked at multifamily and we looked at strip malls. We looked at office, we looked at industrial warehousing, and we settled on self-storage. We settled on self-storage because essentially, we have 600, 800, 1200 self-storage lockers in any given building. And, and they're really no different than you know um, doors in a large apartment building. You're collecting rent from a multitude of different people. So you've got a lot of diversification. But the difference is that the people put their stuff in the storage and often they don't come back for months or or even years. And they pay their rent monthly. And and we just have one person at the front desk managing the facility. So there's there's not a big HR issue with self-storage. You know, we pay our our property taxes, you know, we pay our wages, our utilities, and the rest of it is profit. So unlike a unlike a multifamily residential, say a high-rise tower, You've got residential Tennessee Act issues. You've got cats and dogs and running water and carpeting and lighting and and all the rest. In the self storage, you really just have a concrete floor and, and four walls and a roll-up door. And and we're we're collecting about the same rent per square feet in the self storage as an owner of a multifamily residential building would have per square foot. So, uh, the profitability and you know the it's simple stupid uh, thought process applies really really well to self storage and and I guess further further to that people need a place to store their stuff right like all all the all the new homes and condos are so small that where do you put your hockey bag and your christmas and your camping gear and, and all all that sort of stuff people really seem to need self storage so for example we built a sixty thousand square foot facility on east pender close to downtown vancouver within a year it was 65 percent full and you know there's 800 lockers in there and we didn't have we did not advertise it we didn't do anything they they just people just started walking in and calling and and it's kind of like you know if, if you build it they will come and and they do and they you know kamloops the same
0: I drive by that every every single day, and I'm just for the okay. first time hearing yeah. 800. That's that's incredible because it's it's a it's a, a a midsize building, but it's it's actually incredible how many how many storage units you can actually fit in these spaces as well.
2: Yeah, the average locker is about 68 square feet, so they're not huge. We we realize about three dollars and seventy five cents a square foot.
0: So that's even maybe higher than, than residential in many cases. Okay.
2: It is. Yeah. And, and you know, but the bottom line is people want a nice, clean, well-lit facility that's convenient to them and they need a place to put their stuff. We've got small businesses in there storing inventories. We've got people who work from home who have online services and they keep all their inventories in there. And so what's happening is they they start with one locker and then you know 3 months later they they get another locker beside it and then 6 months later they got two more and so we've got we've got several small businesses in there that have gone from one locker to five or six and it's 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 working great for them and obviously for our investors they're they're thrilled so Well
1: speaking of investors the reason why we wanted to have you on today is we had Pat Wood who you know very well from our Victoria William Wright commercial team He came on a few weeks back, maybe a couple months ago now, and kind of just did a general overview of what the self-storage industry is from a commercial uh, real estate type of play on it. And what what happened was on the show there, we got inundated after with emails and calls of everybody asking, how can I invest in self-storage? And with Nationwide there, you guys actually offer investment opportunities into the self-storage. Can you maybe sort of unpack that a little bit? of what may be an investor who's looking to get into the self-storage? How does that whole thing play itself out and what type of, obviously the returns sound great, what type of expectations would investors have and how does that all play into the kind of nationwide's continued growth?
2: Yeah, you bet. Um, So self-storage is a fairly difficult business to enter into. Land is very expensive. I, I don't care where you are in British Columbia. Land, you know, as far north as, Prince Rupert, Williams Lake, Prince George, even further, anywhere through the Okanagan, Vancouver Island, lower mainland, you're looking at minimum $65 a square foot. In the lower mainland, you're looking at north of $200 a square foot. So for the normal investor who's wanting to build a portfolio of investments, who doesn't have, you know, 10 or 20 million dollars, self storage is really tough to enter into. So how, how do they get into it? Well, they're not going to be able to get into the industry building their own or buying their own. Uh, they really have two choices. They could buy a company by the name of Storage Vault, the only Canadian listed, publicly listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange self-storage business. And, you know, they're they're large. They've got hundreds of different locations across the country, but they are paying a yield of about 1.5%, which is very low. Now, their stock has performed very well. So it's been more of a growth investment rather than an income investment. But a lot of people are looking for income. And and so even for ourselves, when we did our first offering, we, we packaged our offering telling investors, We don't have a targeted investment yet. We might buy an existing self-storage. We might buy an existing self-storage that has expansion capability. We might convert a warehouse to a self-storage. Or we might just buy some raw land or land with a building on it, tear the building down, and build self-storage from scratch. So, you know, with that model, we went out and we raised uh, $10 million. And we're loaded up with capital and thought, great, we're going to go and buy ourselves a, a great self-storage. And, you know, we spent a year going, you know, coast to coast trying to buy a great self-storage facility. And, you know, nobody, we couldn't buy self-storage facilities out of anybody's hands for any anything you know, greater than a, than a five cap rate. Now, a five cap rate means you're getting a 5% rate of return on your investments. so people don't buy private equity for a 5% rate of return. So we quickly realized, you know, we're not buying. No, nobody's selling these things. Investors aren't going to be happy with a 5% rate of return. We're going to have to build them from scratch. And our investors were, were cool with that. So our model now is to build from scratch. We try to buy the land in the $120 to $180 square foot range. If it's a AAA site, it'll be north of 200. Building costs are $180 to $200 a square foot. And at the higher end, based on geographic location, you know, the market value of the assets at the end of the day can be $600 to $650 a square foot. So there's a, approximately a 30 or 40% lift in returns. If you actually have the patience to buy, buy the dirt, go through the building permit, development permit, hire a contractor, hire the architect, build a building from scratch, you can get quite a substantial lift on the value of the asset. Our experience is that they lease up that you know Canadian average is 30% a year, but we're we're experiencing probably 60%. Percent lease up rate per year for our assets so far. So the market demand for storage lockers is really strong, and our investors are looking at uh, you know a 12 to an 18 percent annualized return once storage facilities start kicking out cash. So once they're built and occupied and uh, providing cash distributions to investors, typically in the 12 to 18 percent range, which is you know substantially better than people can get in almost any other sector in the market, particularly considering that, that at the end of the day, they own land and building, like cash-flowing land and building, and that's really hard to get. They have to be patient. They have to go through the, the risks of the construction cycle, but uh, we're pretty good at that, and it's working out pretty good so far. So that's, that's how we do it.
0: And and Hugh, can can the investor just leave their money in over time? Or like how do how does yeah, what's I mean, the horizon?
2: Yeah, it's a it's an eleven year horizon. So self-storage is a get rich slow model. It's it's absolutely not a get rich quick. Listen, these things take, you know, from from the date we raise the money until the date they open, it's you know, it's four to five years. Then it's a couple of years to fill them up. And then you know we manage them for three or four years, you know, maximize the efficiency of them. And, and then what, what we'll do is we'll look for an institutional buyer. There's a number of large financial institutions and pension funds that have, have um, circled sales forward as to the top priority uh, real estate asset for their portfolios. So you know, they're willing to pay cap rates as low as three and a half percent to get into this space. That's an indication of their view of how stable and solid, you know, a, a space like self-storage is for investors and for their for the pension funds. So, you know, the model is we find the site, we build the building, we lease it up, we generate the cash flow, we stabilize it, and then we sell it, you know, to an, a large institutional investor at, you know, we, we can, you know, build it ideally for a cap rate of 12 to 18 and sell it at a cap rate of, you know, three and a half or four. And there's a, you know, at the end of the day, it should be uh, a very substantial lift for the investors um, with that model.
1: Now, when you say investors, how would an investor get involved with Nationwide? What is kind of the, the benchmark type of investment entry level you need up to maybe what is the max an individual can put in? And, and if someone's ever interested in that, what's next for Nationwide and how would an individual take part in that offering?
2: Sure. Um, we accept investment uh, subscriptions as low as $10,000. Typically, how an investor participates is their investment advisor will give them a call and say, hey, I've got uh, private equity opportunity here. It's uh, in the real estate uh, self-storage sector. It's a growth and income play. Would you like to talk about it? And if they say yes, you know, the the financial advisor will walk them through our, our business model. Our, our average investment size from investors is about $100,000. Uh, we've had investments as, as high as $3.5 million from managers of pension funds in Ontario, where you know, they've analyzed our, our offerings and personally participated in them, up, up to $3.5 million per person. So, you know, it's a, it's a vast range. We've had a lot of investors at $10,000 each who are using nationwide self-storage as a component in their overall portfolio. Maybe they've got a portfolio of half a million or a million dollars, they want nationwide to represent 3 or 4% of their portfolio. You know, that's totally fine by us too. Typically, though, it's more targeted to high net worth investors and institutions.
0: Hugh, I'm I'm just thinking about the Vancouver, the East Van location that you guys have, and how that that is currently at capacity, the 800 units or so. Strategically, how are you targeting, like choosing locations? And can you talk about some of the some of the factors or considerations um, that that come to mind when you're when you're analyzing a deal? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, choosing lo- locations is. Not that difficult. Like you know, we've got a we've got a large map in our office and you know, we've got little flags on all of the spots where we think good locations would be. So first and foremost is densely populated on a highly visible intersection. So what we don't want to do is build a self-storage where nobody can see it because then you have to spend a fair bit of money every month marketing. You know, through Google and Facebook and and uh, all the social media networks, and, and they're expensive and they they eat into your cash flow. So, what we prefer to do is we prefer to pay a little bit more upfront for the dirt in in very visible, very high profile locations. So, you know, our our Vancouver one is right on Hastings Street at Clark, one of the highest visibility locations in Vancouver. Our Burnaby Vancouver one at, at Metro Town, or sorry, at Brentwood, is right on the corner of Lowheed Highway and Boundary, and and our one in Surrey is on King George Boulevard. So those sites tend to cost more. Obviously, the higher quality site you're going to pay more. But the flip side of that coin is, if I bought a site that's out of sight you know, down, you know, say it's five blocks off of East Hastings or, you know, five blocks off of Low Heat Highway, the land might be half price. Totally get that. So that's, that's a good deal on the land, half price land. But the bottom line is you're paying the exact same amount of money to build yourself storage building And, and the land only represents about 35% of the overall development cost. So at the end of the day, you, you're far better off in, in a highly visible site because of all of the uh, marketing and advertising dollars that you save, and how quickly your facility leases up, you're into cash flow almost immediately, you know rather than, than sitting and waiting and 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 marketing your brains out through through social media and google analytics on on their little maps. You know when you when you open your cell phone and you type in self storage, the map comes up with flags. It's expensive to, to get yours to come up at the top of the list and the flag to be shown. so. You know, we're finding on Pender, we we do do the Google ads, but our marketing budget's like $1,000 a month. And even at that, I would say eight out of 10 of our customers are walk-ins, drive-ups, walk-ins, or phone calls, not driven through Google. It's It's just purely visibility. So we hunt for AAA locations. When we find a AAA location in an area where there's a lot of density and a lot of growth, a lot of visibility, If the zoning is right, we'll buy that site. We do not ever buy sites where if the zoning is not light industrial, you need light industrial for self-storage. We never buy sites that have to be rezoned because the cities, the municipalities typically aren't going to give positive rezoning approval to a self-storage building. And the reason why is the municipalities want jobs. They want job creation. Job creation generates revenue for the municipality, and a self-storage facility creates one job. You know, in in all in all honesty, probably a job and a half. You know, we're we're open at eight in the morning until six at night, and then on weekends you have a part timer. So, so the, the municipalities aren't going to rezone anything to prove self-storage. It, it, so, so it really really limits the market for self storage sites it has to be light industrial and the bottom line is if you, if you look at the map of any municipal body in in the lower mainland there is very little light industrial land left undeveloped you know anywhere so it, it it's a barrier to entry that is really high for self storage it's just the hardest thing is finding locations finding the dirt
1: you mentioned earlier how the camloops the location is outperforming a lot of them and you also spoke about how important the location of the site is. Is the success of Camloops the location because of the proximity to the the anchor businesses around it or the shadow anchors? Or is it a marketplace that just needs self-storage so desperately that doesn't have it coupled with a good location?
2: Well, I, you know, it's probably both. Uh, but But first off, that site came to market because the city of Kamloops rejected an application for for a hotel and a restaurant to go on that site. And the reason they rejected it was because at intersection, it it just had too much traffic and they they didn't want to have hotel and restaurant traffic added on top of all of the traffic that was already there for the McDonald's, the Costco, and the casino. So... It was already a very congested area. And so when we went to the city of Kamloops with the model for self-storage, they loved it for that site because they, they know that you know when people put their stuff in the self-storage locker, they, you know you, you kind of get, for per, per 100 lockers, you get like two visits a day, which is, so your car volume and your car traffic for self-storage was so low that they loved it and they approved it. Basically, we had the meeting with the city. We drove up from Vancouver, met with the city. We weren't 10 minutes out of Vancouver or out of the Kamloops on the Coquihalla Highway, and we got a call from the city saying, you're approved. (laughs) So we got lucky there. Listen, um, it's just a super high volume area, and that helps. Now, that said, there's only one other AAA multi-level self-storage in Kamloops, and it's on the exact opposite end of town It's called U-Haul. And they're leasing up quickly, too. So I, I think it's a combination of a great location yep. and a city that's, that's growing very quickly and, you know, had more demand for self-storage than self-storage available. And so, you know, it's not all location, but it's a lot location. Location is really important.
1: So what's next for Nationwide? Obviously, Camloops. you know, you're venturing out of the lower mainland market. And you've had huge success there. Are you looking to continue to expand in the lower mainland market or is there markets that you're not in yet, like maybe Victoria or Nanaimo or Kelowna? Is there markets outside of the lower mainland that are on your radar or are markets that you want to get into?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would say our top priority would be Langley, Abbotsford, you know, Mission, Coquitlam, those areas, Those, those uh, Surrey, but those are very high growth areas. Probably the highest growth. I know Victoria. There's regions in Victoria that are really attractive to us, but getting a good site and getting the land there—two things—it's almost impossible to get. And then when they do come up, they're they're at Vancouver pricing, and and the storage per square foot there isn't Vancouver rental rates. So so you're almost paying Vancouver pricing and not getting the same rental rates. So we're absolutely looking. Nanaimo South. Love that area, certainly for residential. And we will be, you know, within the next few years, you know, in our view, absolutely moving into that market. We love the Okanagan. That's a very high growth area. There, There is some competition up there. So location is key. Um, we had a site tied up in Kelowna. Uh, we couldn't work out the right uh, density with the city of Kelowna. So we released that site a few months ago, um, but we're still looking. Um, we, we love that market. Uh, it's a great market. Investors will do well anywhere in Nanaimo South, anywhere in the Okanagan, anywhere in the lower mainland. I would say that downtown core of Vancouver is probably priced out of the self-storage market. Land downtown is, you know, upwards of 250 an acre uh, at buildable square foot. And you know, it's just turned self-storage into probably a six or eight percent annualized return at that pricing. But we entered into the market, you know, we got in at $110 a square foot. So, you know, the 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 tide has risen in the price of industrial land in, in Vancouver to the point where it's almost price perfection. Yeah, you can build a self-storage, but you're gonna get a six or eight percent rate of return. And you know, investors to get a six or eight percent rate of return, if they bought, you know, a large publicly traded REIT on the industrial side, so they're not really getting the same benefit of of a private equity investment, you know, if they enter the Vancouver market at this point in time.
0: Right. So, Hugh, um, maybe as a final question, and I'm just I'm kind of struck by, you know, your past in oil and gas and and the volatility of of that industry, and how you how you kind of settled on self storage and, and car, the car wash business kind of as, as just making sure that you have stability in, in what you're doing. Are, are there risks that, that people should consider when they're, when they're looking at nationwide and, and do you see any risks that kind of down the road, having an impact on this business model?
2: There's always risk, particularly when you're in a development model and we're in a development model. we, we, You know, we can make investors good money buying raw land, hiring an architect, getting a development and a building permit issued by a a municipality, you know, be it Vancouver, Coquitlam, Burnaby, Surrey, wherever. But there's risk in development. There's cost risk in development. There's timing risk. You know, it it might take a year and a half to get a building permit. It might take three years. You know, that year and a half is a year and a half worth of returns to investors that's deferred. Um, so anytime you do a, a real estate development, no, no different than a, a remodeling of your kitchen or bathroom or something, you know, there's, there's risks in that. I would also say once you're up and operating and mature, there's interest rate risk. I mean, if inflation takes hold and you know, the, the, the curb inflation central banks, you know, raise interest rates. And, and uh, you know, if we get into a, an interest rate situation where 6 8%, 10% uh, loan rates, then the numbers for self-storage and, and every other real estate asset class in the world, you know, compress significantly. They still work. But, you know, if your loan-to-value ratio is 0.7 or 0.8 to 1, you're probably in big trouble. Uh, if it's 0.4 or 5 to 1 and we've capped ourselves at 0.5 to 1, then you'll be fine, but your distributable cash will be compressed significantly such that you're probably paying out five or six percent return instead of twelve or eighteen. So, you know, there's there's interest rate risk, there's construction risk. You know, there's always the risk that, you know, a big player comes in and builds one right across the street from you. And, you know, that that would cause your lease up rate to to, to fall in half. And we've seen that a lot in Vancouver. I mean, there's several places in Vancouver where there's a 80 or hundred thousand square foot Maple Leaf self storage building and right across the street, there's a hundred thousand square foot public storage building. And, you know, interestingly, they're both full, but the lease up rate probably took four or five years instead of two or three years. So um, those, you know, when your lease, if your lease up rate is extended, that's, time value of money if your building permit gets delayed that's time value of money but on average it it takes 4 to 5 years to build them couple of years to lease them up and you know camloops is probably going to return 18 to 20% annualized pender is probably going to be 12 to 15 each 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 one performs a little bit differently we we were more bullish on the pender Project than we were the Camelot's project. And we were pleasantly surprised that you know Camelot's is much better than Tender. And we didn't know it going in. It's just how how it how it evolves. So they're not listen, they're not without risk. The bottom line is in self-storage, like tender, for example, you know, the property's worth, at the end of the day, if all else fails, assume nobody ever needs storage again. The government bans the use of self-storage. The land alone is still worth 15 million bucks. Our investors only put sixteen million into the project. Right. You know, so on, on mining or oil and gas, which are both in favor now, by the way, but but back in the day, you know, if you put fifteen or twenty million dollars into mining oil and gas, you could turn it into a million or two million dollars pretty quick. There's no hard asset there. Right. So on self-storage, you know, if if you get no tenants at all, the land's still worth 15 million bucks. They only put 16 in. Right. Somebody can come in and tear the building down and put a high rise on it. So, um, yeah, the, the risk profile is substantially different when you're talking real estate, hard asset, cash flowing asset versus a commodity. Massively different. So, uh, you know, we're really our, our investors are getting stable returns. We're not getting phone calls, you know, wondering what happened, how come, you know. How come your dividends have dropped? How come the distributions have dropped? How come the net asset value of my of my principal share position has gone down? You know, we used to tell people, well, gas was eleven dollars and now it's about fifty a gigajoule, and you know, <laughs> our, our cash flow is impaired, right? And you know, some get it and some don't. We we never had that call with self storage. You know, people call us and thank us and you know, kind of ask us when our next offering is going to be because they want to buy some more. Right, you know, you don't get don't get that in the commodity sector, when when things you know uh, fluctuate, you, you just don't get that. You get the calls like, you know, you guys are the worst people ever, and you you, you know you turn my hundred grand into ten grand. You know, commodities are good too, though. Like, you know, we've turned the hundred grand into two hundred grand, and then back into hundred grand. So, like, it, it's just that commodities are very volatile. Storage is not volatile. Storage is very steady. It's probably the steadiest real estate asset I can think of. So that's why we gravitated towards it. That's why we like it. And, you know, that's why we have a pretty big following of investors who want to participate in these, making the money pretty, pretty steady, pretty solid, pretty low risk way to uh, get some money working for you. So
1: all that sounds tremendous. And we before before we let you go, because we know we've taken you out of your busy day there. We have a, a six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests. We get to, kind of get to know you outside of the boardroom there. Do you have just a few more minutes for us? Sure, you bet. Fire away. The six-pack is powered by Red Point Law. For all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca. All right, Hugh, first question up if you're ready for it. Favorite movie?
2: James Bond, 007. Oh, good. Good. <laughs>
1: I can honestly say that there was no hesitation in your voice there. That is the fastest <laughs> answer we've had so far in the six pack.
0: <laughs> uh, favorite vacation spot. Uh Waiala, Maui. Oh, that's oh, a nice. That's, one. that's a nice one. That's a nice one.
1: Favorite band. U2. Uh, oh, second second Sorry. time we've had U2. I, no, I, cool. I,
2: I might I might change that to the Rolling Stones. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's go with the stones on that one. The stone.
1: Either way, both great, both great yeah. picks.
0: Uh, do you have a favorite quote that you live by?
2: Um, well, they've changed over the years.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> We've got time.
2: <laughs> yeah, they they've changed over the years. I guess uh, it would be you can't fix
0: stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That, that's, that's, that's Adam's.
0: I I just keep learning that. Yeah.
1: Adam lives by that. His first place is eat, pray, love, but that's a close second. What's a book you, or maybe a book you would recommend our listeners and doesn't necessarily have to be a business book.
2: I'm not going to recommend a book, but I do recommend reading this section of Globe and Mail every day. I I, I do that religiously and um, I, I think it's good. And that would be a, a, A recommendation I I would give listeners is, and you can subscribe online. I don't really, I've got it online. I I find it somewhat challenging to scroll through it. So I get the paper at home too. I just have a coffee and uh, I I skip through the first few sections, but I do spend time on the business section and they're pretty good. It's pretty uh, good information that they provide and I'd strongly recommend it.
1: Last question for you, Hugh. What's a piece of advice you'd maybe give our listeners?
2: It's investment advice. I would I would say that you know it's it's hard to earn and save money. So once you've got some, you've got to invest it really wisely. And you know, there's a lot of chatter out there. There's a lot of quick returns in the cryptos and the cannabis and all the stuff. My view is that's not investing. That's gambling. Um, you know, money is hard. To make it's hard to accumulate it's hard to keep so be very careful with uh how you invest it and uh you know when when you think there's no risk that there always is some risk right so just be careful and diversify that that would be my advice
0: as someone who lost five grand on crypto in the last two days or so i agree with the gambling (laughs) components (laughs) yeah 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 for sure
1: Lastly, Hugh, how can how can all of our guests find out more about what you're doing and everything over there at Nationwide Self Storage Trust?
2: Sure, they, you know they can go to nationwideselfstorage.ca to our website. They can call us. You know we we'll talk to you know people who call get get the number there, call, ask for information. Uh, we can you know point them in the direction of a of a good investment advisor in their region. If they want, they can they can drive to one of our locations and check it out.
1: That sounds great, Hugh. Well, thank you once again for taking the time out of your day to join us and sort of uh, unpack a little bit more of the investment side of the self-storage industry.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Great. Thanks so
1: much, Hugh. Take care. Okay. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Hugh Cartwright, chairman, co-founder, Nationwide. Do you want want me to say it or do you want to say it? (laughs) Phenomenal, <laughs>
0: phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. That was a great conversation. Really enjoyed having you on the show. Really thoughtful guy. Fantastic investment opportunity for sure. Again, I love the, uh, the car wash component, the yeah. storage. It's like you take two cash cows, you merge them together. I want to see them add a laundromat. I want to yeah. see, <laughs> I want to see a lot. La- I want to, I just, over time, I want these to morph into the, the one-stop shop for all your needs. Well, one thing I noticed too, when he talked about, well, Kamloops, and that's one thing that we've been sort of saying quite
1: a bit about is these markets and how he was very surprised how that one sort of, you know, outperformed other ones. And he mentions how the East Vancouver, they were very bullish on it. One thing that cities are looking for is to create these employment hubs. Right. And he talks about Costco and all of that stuff. So that employment hub there where they went probably had five or 600 jobs before they showed up now they probably have like six hundred and one and a half jobs right <laughs> in that employment hub area right so they've well this is they it. showed them <laughs> so this is it
0: so here's here's what is the other thing is like and it it also it's it's more of probably a testament to how how stable the investment opportunity or just the business model that that Hugh was creating but when I look at OCPs, I often see now like they actually identify absolutely no storage facilities yeah. in certain regions of Vancouver, right? Yeah. And it it is partly because of job creation, but I think it's, it's also because we need industry, like we need yeah. industry that actually caters to the to the well. If you to look at it too, and
1: you look at it, and he kind of mentioned a little bit about this on the, the end of the episode. Is they almost kind of cluster because right. zonings are hard to place them when you find them. You mean there's multiple self storage companies looking to get in it. I think cities want to avoid of having a corner where you might have literally like four stack self-storage units all looking at each other. Right. When that's a tremendous opportunity where you can maybe be able to put a light industrial type thing that will have much more employment than maybe that combined yeah. corner of four. Four employees work in the, the four different self-storage units. So, I mean, I can see why cities have sort of come out and earmarked that that's a no-go. Right. Because that that business model, as Hugh sort of mentions, is growing and the competitors in the industry are growing. That makes a bigger buyer pool for that asset class that if something maybe wasn't as clear cut as what the city of Vancouver said in some cases, you might get multiple type of those businesses offering and get a cluster of self-storage all in a small area that could maybe, I don't want to say better utilize, but could create more jobs Right. with other right. buildings.
0: Well, as, as a landlord, I'm, I'm listening to Hugh and I'm going, okay, there's no plumbing concerns. No. There's nobody living in the units. Most people are are leaving their their stuff there for years. They're probably just making their payments, yeah. not even coming to check on it. It seems like it's uh, it's just such a great thought through model. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, I mean, I don't wanna over overstate how how fantastic uh, self storage is, but when you actually just pull back and you think about the the problems with it, it seems like there's very few. But well, as as risk as Hugh explained, there's always risk, right? And
1: no self storage is gonna call you and tell you you're a bad landlord. Right. Right. They're not going to call you and tell you that the lights aren't working.
0: Hey, you got your 68 square feet. (laughs) Don't (laughs) bug me. Exactly. This is your rent. Exactly.
1: Does your door still roll up? Great.
0: Hang up. $3.75 a foot. (laughs)
1: Yeah. This, this month. (laughs) This month. Next month. (laughs)
0: Three eighty five. The beauty of the market. So, Corey, anything going on with commercial uh, that you want to talk about? Or well,
1: ha? w- we have some amazing guests lined up, and one of them is we have Frank O'Brien, who's one of the the head guys over at BIV and also the uh, Western Investor there. And recently, a report, uh, an article just came out talking how commercial real estate just shattered the quarter record for you know best top sales volume we've ever seen in that wow. in that industry. So we have we have Frank joining us. Very shortly in the future, in a couple of weeks, to talk all about that and how much it's been, and again, what's you know,
0: what's driving it? Is it like does lack it? lack of
1: supply? Money's extremely cheap. Yeah, you know, I mean it's probably arguably, similar
0: similar to the yeah. what's going on in residential right now. Yeah,
1: and like you know, the, we have a supply and demand issue like to start with, like yeah. just pre COVID. That now you just gaslight it when people decide not to sell, and then the interest rates go down as much as they have. And I think one thing too that we haven't really talked a lot about is there's such a huge generational wealth exchange going on right now of property right. being passed down through families that otherwise may or may not be sold. And there's a lot of families that own a lot of warehouses and you know, all of that stuff throughout the city and throughout the province. And I mean, instead of selling it for six or seven million when they probably paid, you know, two hundred fifty thousand twenty five 25 years ago, they're putting that asset down to the next generation. Right. And it's creating tremendous cash flow opportunities and wealth for families. That is just more and more inventory, both on in the residential and the commercial side. That's just not making its way out to market for resale. So, sure, you know, just a perfect storm all the way around. And, and we'll have Frank on to talk all about that. Plus, we got some other great guests lined up for the rest of uh, September, October.
0: Well, I would imagine, like right now, if you're a buyer looking for certain residential properties with the little inventory that's on the market, it is incredibly frustrating. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how frustrating it is for buyers, probably with huge budgets looking for commercial real estate right now. This is maybe a long roundabout way to ask you, do you guys represent buyers and and how do people get in touch?
1: Uh, Yeah, people can reach out to us at our Vancouver office anytime. They can reach us at 604-428-5255. They can visit our website at williamwright.ca or they can send me an email at corey at williamwright.ca. We're always happy to talk commercial real estate or if you're looking to buy, lease or sell your assets, please give us a call. And we'll put you in touch with the best advisor we have in the province that uh, is in your asset class in your area.
0: And people don't realize, but a lot of this stuff changes between brokers, right? Yeah. Like a lot of it doesn't ever get posted online well, in the first place. Well,
1: that's the thing too, is is is, is there's a, so much of it trades what we call off market right. that you just don't know. So you need to have a broker who has a relationship in that community to try to get those assets for you. And like talking about supply and demand issues that so we had a industrial land is so hard to come by. We had a piece of land that we had, we had put out to tender and it was off market. I mean, you, unless you knew you weren't finding out about it. And I think it generated six or seven offers, went millions of dollars over asking price. Incredible. And that's just an an example of what's happening out there. So that's why you need to make sure that you have a broker who's in the commercial brokerage industry and has those relationships to get you that stuff because it will, it'll exchange hands and no one will even know. Absolutely. Okay.
0: Well, that's good to know. On that note. On that note, we will be back next week. And I think Matt's coming back next Matt's week. Back. Okay, so okay, I think okay, Matt's back with you next week. Okay, but good. He's uh, my favorite. Okay, it, is, <laughs> it is Friday. We're taking <laughs> off for the day. And enjoy your weekend. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Great. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.
2: Subscribe today.